Welcome to Sketch Therapist. I'm Roisin Curé and this is the podcast that will improve your sketch life. In this week's episode, I'm going to tell you how I improved my own sketch life in the barren by sketching alongside my mother. Monday 11th July. So my mum, Cinny, is a great artist. She has always drawn and painted long before I came along and we have discovered that it's one of our great pleasures to sketch side by side. So with that in mind, we've decided to spend a week together, take a holiday, tour Connemara, tour County Clare. So on Monday, my mum arrives sometime in the afternoon. Um, We have a lovely week ahead of us. All we have to do now is plan it. Tuesday, 12th of July. Well, the day didn't start off amazingly well. In fact, it's predicted to rain. So we're not going to try and sketch today. Instead, we decided to go into Galway City. My youngest daughter, Liv, came with us and the three of us went in. Galway's a gorgeous city. It's really, really small. You can get everywhere really quickly. It's fabulous. It's fabulously picturesque to sketch as well. But we haven't really got that in mind today because we know it's going to rain. One thing you can't do is sketch in the rain. So instead we shop and we visit little tea shops and coffee shops and of course, I don't know, clothes shops. Um, My mum and my youngest buy themselves the odd little trinket or piece of clothing and I'm very happy just to tag along after them and enjoy showing off my city to my mum. It's absolutely thronged with tourists. Galway is very much a tourist town Um, July is when things really go bananas. So despite the slightly overcast day, it's kind of dark out. The place is alive. The atmosphere is electric. There are buskers everywhere. There are street performers. Um, Just like that in Galway. It's always like that. And we have a great morning. We have a great morning. We finish off at around, well, maybe shortly after lunch. Um, and we head back to Kilcolgan, which is where I live in South County Galway. The day brightens up in the afternoon. It gets really sunny. And after a little break at home, we head out to the shore to Mulroog. Now, Mulroog is about four miles. No, it's not. It's about five or six miles. I don't know, something like that. It's not too far from where I live on bicycle um, or car. That's not very good, is it? But anyway, Mulroog, it's a shore. Basically, I'm about two miles from the seashore. Um And there's lots of little inlets and coves all along the coast that you can get to without very much effort. So Mulroog is one of my favourites. It doesn't look like much when you see it first. It's a stony beach. Um, If you've seen any of the little lessons I've done with crabs, they all come from Mulroog. There's always a couple of bands of seaweed. Sometimes it's slimy and makes your shoes really mucky. Sometimes it's crispy and and, and black. Um, And it's always full of shells and crabs and and, and, and that kind of stuff. There are only stones on the beach. And they're not even pretty little pebbles. They're kind of rough stones. But it has its own beauty because it's really clean. It's really pristine. There's never anyone there. So it's a great place to bring a dog for a walk. Even if it's a naughty dog, our dog happens to be very well behaved. But any dog, you could be very comfortable down at Mulroo because there's no sheep. Like there's a few cattle, you know, in the fields right next to it. But you're safe with your animal. Um, 
it's not going to annoy anyone. I'm only saying that because I used to have a dog that used to annoy everyone. He didn't mean to. He was a boxer. He was just a bit bouncy. But this little one I have now, my little Reuben, my Jack Russell Terrier, he nobody's scared of him. Nobody. Which is, makes a really nice change. But my mum and I found ourselves down in Mulrug, um, again, as I say, with nobody around. And there wasn't that much to paint or sketch. But I always take the attitude, there's always something to do. So I figured I'd just, you know, park up, open out my little portable stool. And my mum did likewise. She said she would draw whatever I was drawing. You see, that's 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 what happens when, when it's your mum you're sketching with. Um, and we sat side by side and I drew the rocks, the pebbles, with the water splashing over them, as did my mum. Um, we had a really nice time. It was really lovely. Eventually, a couple of cars came down blaring dreadful Irish country music, but they didn't stay too long. Off they went again. And then just as as it was time for us to go home and start making some dinner, another carload or a few carloads came down, and this time spilling people in swimming dogs out for a big swim because the tide was fully in at this stage and the sun was out and it was lovely, windy but sunny and really nice. So, uh, so lovely atmosphere. Um, great, great evening. Great evening sketching. Uh, our first of the week, um, which Mum and I both really, really enjoyed. Wednesday, 13th of July. It's day two of our sketching trip and it's day one for us to have a full day out. So we decide to head head south to the Burren. Now, um, I know Abbey Hill extremely well. I've, it's the first stop you come to outside the Burren. Uh, sorry, outside Kinvara, Kinvara Village, which is about four miles down the road from me. Um, but we wanted to go somewhere that I had never been. Mum, Mum really wanted me to try something new. So we decided to head a bit further out and I wanted to go somewhere where um, Marcel and my our son Paddy and myself had walked, I think it was last year, maybe in April, on a beautiful sunny day. So we did that, off we went and we came to a halt just after Hazel Mountain Chocolate Factory where there's a whole bean to bar situation going on in this little house, which is quite amazing. It, 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 it was the family home of the people who run the chocolate factory and they've made it into this wonderful little business where they produce bean to bar, um, absolutely incredible chocolate. I mean, really amazing. Anyway, we passed there. We actually came back for a delicious coffee and cake after our walk. But we passed there and we pulled in to probably the only place that you could pull in. I was a little bit nervous of blocking someone's drive or being in the way or being too far out or being a danger, any of all of any or all of the above. But I pulled in as close as I possibly could and mum and I started to make our way up the steep hill um, that led to the place I wanted to take her and little Reuben was with us. And we were only about five minutes, if that, up the steep, the steep rocky path when um, a big black SUV pulled up beside us and there was a man, I suppose, maybe 70s driving and he said to me, he said, is that your car parked down down below on, on the edge of the road? And I said, it is, yeah. I said, why have I parked in the wrong place? Am I blocking anyone? And he said, no, no, it's not that. It's just that there might be the odd bit of agricultural machinery heading heading along that way and it wouldn't want your, your car to be sort of, you know, take a scrape or anything like that from, from, from a machine. And I said, no, absolutely. Do you think I should pull it in a bit tighter? And he said, well, I think maybe you should. You should probably pull her in a bit tighter. He said, one time I was down there and I was operating 
I was driving agricultural machinery and there was a car pulled in and he wasn't pulled in too 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 close and I suppose didn't I hit the wing mirror now it wasn't broken it was kind of like that and he dangled his arm and sort of swayed it a bit to it to indicate that the wing mirror wasn't broken but it looked pretty broken to me and he says no it wasn't broken but anyway it was like that and the fella came back and I said listen I'm awful sorry but I'm after giving your wing mirror a bit of a bit of a bang there and didn't the fella say to me you will be hearing from my insurance company so I said to him well look at um just to let you know there's a tractor coming down next and uh he's blind so you might want to you might want to pull in a bit tighter and he said well I never saw a fella run so fast back to his car <laughs> so I said okay <laughs> I said I take your point I shall go down and I shall pull the car in a bit tighter so I did I went down and pulled her tighter to the wall than I've ever pulled any car um in my life and uh, we made our way up the path and got to the very very top and struck off the path and into a little field and the fields aren't exactly fields at that particular spot um they're just hills um, and I don't I, I don't know if they're farmed. I, I doubt it because they're mostly just uh, rocky outcrops of limestone rising quite steeply. Um, and there's bands of grass in between at the foot of each of these rocky outcrops. And they're absolutely alive with wildflowers, alive with wildflowers. And uh, so we sat down there to sketch um, and it was wonderful. It was heaven. It was absolutely heaven. And you, we could just just off before we left the path, there was all these lovely stone walls with gaps in them. And mum really wanted to sketch those. And kind, she kind of got her chance on the last day. But um, they were they were gorgeous. They were really, really gorgeous. And uh, and the, and there was all these like really, really bent and twisted hawthorn trees, really strong illustration of the weather we have up there. But across from me was um a valley there was kind of a dip from where we were sitting on the side of the hill and then there was a valley and then the burn rose steeply in front opposite us and there were all these fields being um being being farmed and one of them was in the process of being cut for hay and uh, I was saying to my mother look see how those your man's making an amazing job of parallel lines for a blind fella but uh it was really it was amazing it was amazing we 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 sat there in all those wildflowers and ran out of you know names eventually because there was just so many there was just so many but uh, it was a fantastic start to the day um and we just had a wonderful time and that was only the first part of the day as you will hear well the second part of the day was every bit as nice we drove a little bit south and we came to a beach that i really love called fenor fenor strand um and it's in a village the village of Fenor, which is basically a bit of a blink and you miss it kind of a place. But to get to Fenor, you drive along the coast for a good while. Um, you drive through Ballyvaughan and then you just keep going. And it's just like to your right opens up the big vista of turquoisey blue ocean. It's fabulous. It's absolutely fabulous. And then on your left rises up the hills of the Burren. So you've got this little road kind of like a mountain pass, except you've got sea on one side. And every now and then cars pull in off the road where there's no space to pull in at all. So you must keep your wits about you um, and, you know, just be aware that the roads aren't wide enough to park up, but that there will be people there parking anyway. But anyway, you keep going, you drive, 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 and you come to Fenor. And Fenor is this big, long stretch of wild, sandy beach. And it's always very windy, um, which makes for very dramatic and beautiful seascape. So we parked ourselves just on the left 
of the entrance to the beach um, made herself comfy and I decided that I would draw the beautiful blue turquoisey sea. And what was lovely about it was that there was all these white surfy breakers um, and the colour of the water would be a little bit different every time they curled up and over. So there'd be a little bit lighter greeny blue just underneath the um, the white surfy frothy bit. And I knew it was very important to keep the white of the frothy curly bit. So what I used was my white masking fluid, sorry, not my white, my masking fluid pen. So you know masking fluid, it's the rubbery stuff that you put on a page and then you can, when it's dry, you can paint on top of it. And then when the paint is dry, you can use your finger, a nice clean finger to rub off the rubber uh, the rubber patch of masking fluid that you've applied to the page and the page will be completely bright white underneath. It's completely untouched. And the advantage of that is that, first of all, you can do fiddly stuff like lots and lots of droplets, things that you can't possibly paint around. And the other thing you can do is you can really deepen up the colour around the edges of this masking fluid patch and that can make the white stand out really well. So it was ideal for the um, the breakers, you know, the little bits of surf that I was painting. Now, I would add that when I was using the masking fluid pen, it does come out a light blue, like the rubber dries a light blue so that you can see where you've put it. But I wasn't sure whether I'd put enough. So I kept putting more and more on. And I think that was probably a good idea because if I hadn't, I think I probably would have had the paint you know, showing through the masking fluid. And I didn't want that. So I put on loads, more than I thought I needed. And I put it on wherever there was bright white breaking surf. Um, I painted on my dark blue for the sea. Uh, I think I made the blue colour by using Payne's grey and phthalo green. Just a little touch of the latter. Um, and that made a really nice deep, deep, deep dark blue for the dark part of the sea at the back near the horizon and I used Payne's Grey and not Ultramarine because I wanted it to be a little on the dull side but as I neared the shore I let the blue be brighter so every time I came to one of my little bands of masking fluid in other words bits that were going to end up being white in the finished drawing I would uh, change colour and add a bit more Ultramarine and then I used phthalo blue mixed with uh, phthalo green to make the aqua colour even more turquoisey and transparent so I did that at the front of the sketch and then and sorry the front of the the sea where it lapped against the uh the sandy shore um and then there was a few little rocks sticking out of the surf right at the very um edge of the water um and those rocks because they're wet and uh sitting on wet sand I had to mark in a um a reflection of the rocks as well. So that worked really, really well. I just made sure to do the rocks quite dark because they're and, and with a band of white at the top to show they're glistening. And then to do the reflection in the sand slightly less dark because if you're putting reflection in water, it can be almost the same colour, if not the same colour as the item being reflected. But if you're on anything less reflective than water, which is most things, like sand, for example, in the wet sand, then the item being reflected is going to come out a little bit less deep than the thing itself. So in other words, the rock that was being reflected in the sand, I painted in a kind of a greyish colour. Um, and I gave it ripply edges, just like you would with uh, with water on with a with a reflection in water, so that looked really effective, and I was delighted with that. But I did want to put people in because if you don't put people in, things can be just a little bit on the I suppose lonely side. Um, and there was a woman and a man 
standing watching their two little boys frolicking around on the surf. The two little boys were adorable, your typical Irish boys, skin whiter than white, uh, red hair and just totally heedless of the freezing cold water. Probably wasn't that cold, but it was lovely to see them frolicking around in the sun and in the surf and the parents, mum and dad, just standing there watching them. And they didn't, the mum and dad didn't move a muscle for, I'd say, half an hour. And did I draw them when they were being still? No, I waited for ages, just when the little boys had, had enough frolicking about in the surf. And I just started drawing the mum. And didn't she move and turn around completely? And I had to ditch that pose. Luckily, she took another pose and stood still, standing up with her hands in her pockets. So I drew her in as quickly as I could and I managed just about to get her shape. And then I did her husband next to her. Um, I drew him from behind and I'd only just got his shape in again. He had been standing still for at least half an hour when he decided he had enough of standing still and he moved. So I was such an idiot to break my own rule and to draw people when they'd already been taking the pose for a very long time. Basically, if someone looks like they've settled in, draw them as soon as they look like they've, they, they've, they've, they're, they're starting to do something like whatever. Watch their kids. It's a perfect example. Um, I also tried to draw another man who came into the scene. He sat down in a rock to watch his little boy, tiny little fellow of about two or three with a bucket and spade um, and little little cap on the little boy's head. He settled down to watch the little boy banging about in a rock pool. But of course, the little boy was like two years old, if that. So he lost interest after about 10 seconds and wanted to go off and thrash around in another rock pool. So, of course, his dad went off to follow him and I had just drawn the outline of the dad. So that was a complete disaster. And when the ink was fully dry, I had to use my white gel pen to get rid of whatever parts of that dad that I couldn't turn into rocks. So if you're very careful and you look very closely in that particular sketch, you can see the original shape of the dad but don't look too closely because I'm very annoyed at myself for being such an idiot as to be so sloppy as to draw people that were clearly about to go I mean you know what do they say work don't never work with children or animals well never sketch children or animals or don't rely on them for hanging around to hang around for very long because they're just not going to do that but in the end I managed to um, get rid of most of the lines by making them into rocks or seaweed there was a lot of rocks and seaweed just where that man was so it was pretty authentic by the time I'd you know change most of him into rocks and then anything I couldn't change into a rock I just use my white gel pen and I kind of got rid of it I kind of got away with most of it I think um the original mum and dad they're all right I painted them mostly in paints gray because they were silhouetted against the against the sea um and they were wearing navy anyway and the woman was wearing a navy top with white stripes kind of like a boater type of a breton top so she was easy enough to do um and I was able to add the white uh, gel pen to make her stripes as well. So all in all, I think I just about got away with it. So people are nice to put in because they had a great sense of scale. But um, on the whole, overall, I was delighted with the page with the sketch. Now the only thing was when we got home, I did stick a bit of washi tape along the horizon and try to flatten out the horizon a little bit and. Even though I counselled my mother to stick down, because she did the same with her lovely sketch, even though I counselled her to stick down the washi tape really, really well so that the paint wouldn't leak underneath it when you're trying to draw a perfectly level horizon, didn't I have that happen with my sketch? So I got a bit of a hairy uh, horizon in the middle of it where the paint leaked under the um, under the washi tape. But do, just be careful. When you're doing that yourself, just make sure either you use really good washi tape or stick it down really, really well with your finger so that you have a perfectly sharp horizontal line um, 
to make the horizon of the sea. But it's a great tip and it works really, really well. So that was the end of our uh, sketching for the day. And it was great. It really was fabulous. Thursday, 14th of July. Another gorgeous day. Not that sunny, but looking good all the same. It's not raining. That's always a good start in the west of Ireland. Um, I've thought about a lot of places that mum and I might like to go sketching today. I've considered going to Connemara. Stunning, stunning scenery. But I don't know, very bumpy, twisty roads, which I wouldn't mind. Except for two things. Tourists. The roads would be jammers. The Irish government has done an exceptionally efficient job at marketing the Wild Atlantic Way as a tourist destination, which basically means that if you drive along the road that runs along the coast, anywhere from Donegal all the way around the west and south coast of Ireland, as far as Cork, you are going to be there along with a great many others. So for that reason, I decided mm, Connemara is going to be a bit of a pain in the neck. Another reason is that you'd have to go from my place in Kilcolgan north to Galway City before you can head out to Connemara, which means going through Galway City, which doesn't have to be too crazy busy. But if you leave at the crack of dawn, you're going to hit rush hour. And if you don't leave at crack of dawn, you won't have that long to spend the day in Connemara because it's a long way. It takes three hours, three hours to get from here to the other side of um, Galway into the heart of Connemara. It takes me two and a half hours to get to Dublin and three hours to remain in my own county. And we didn't really want to do that. We didn't want to spend the day in the car. So for the same reason, we didn't go to the east road, the east of the Loch Carib, again, passing through Galway City. So, and the other reason was that my car has decided to... uh, the gearbox has started to give me trouble going from third into fourth is um, crunching and growling and making weird noises so the mechanic has said until we get the part we need we have to go straight from third gear into fifth gear which is fine it's not a problem you get used to it but it's much more suitable for long straight roads and not little bendy ones stopping and starting and you know getting stuck behind RVs and that kind of thing so I decided that we could do a lot worse than stick in County Clare where the baron is. And I decided I would take mum to this really spectacularly amazing place called Loch Avala Farm. And it is part of the Burren National Park. Um, I went there last year with my husband, Marcel, and two of my three kids, Paddy and Livy, the two younger ones. And of course, little Reuben the Terrier. And we spent the entire day uh, climbing these hills right into the Burren. If ever you get the chance to go and visit Loch Avala Farm, it's only about six and a half kilometres to do the loop of the walk. But you do need to be quite sure footed. Um, it's quite rough terrain. I thought it was about 11 miles because I'm such a sad, unfit person. Or I thought I was. Maybe, well, I don't know. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. I don't know. But it did feel a lot longer than it turned out to be. So it's only a few miles. But it's through, uh, it's cro- up up limestone karstic pavement through fields of wildflowers, um, up to cliffs where I imagine birds of prey are nesting. They probably are. And then back through the farm, the farmland belonging to the farmer. And that's kind of, and then along the side of a big lake. Um, so that's kind of what I remembered from the previous year. So we drove out there 
uh, again, a fabulous drive south through uh, County Galway. Um, and we came to Lochavala, pulled in. You don't know you're actually arrived somewhere. It's just miles and miles of flat limestone pavement on either side of you. Um, I think there's a lake you pass that the locals from the town of Gort nearby like to swim in because it's close. So it's just really nice. And there's no, there's no, there's n- there's not really heavy traffic. There aren't any tourists. Um, there's nothing really. So it's a great drive. Very, very attractive. And you don't, you don't arrive stressed or anything like that. So we parked up and off we went with little Reuben. Oh yeah. And one of the things you pass on the way up to the entrance to the farm is a hazel woods. It's just a small little hazel woods. And the Hazelwood is, it, 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 you kind of hop over a wall to get into it. And it's really weird in there. There's very little light gets through. It's this tiny copse of a wood on the top of the limestone, endless pavement, which is weird. But it reminds me, I've never been to Florida, but it reminds me of how I imagine um, Swampland would be. Everything's green. There's kind of a green light. There's moss everywhere. Um, there are kind of mossy vine things hanging from trees um there's the occasional little stream but you can't even see them until you're upon them there's ferns everywhere and it's just this weird little micro ecosystem just right there in the middle of the burn and it's really amazing and I did I did make a mental note to uh to come back and draw it someday so I will do that actually I will do that but that 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 particular Thursday wasn't the day to do that so we walked up this little path and couldn't believe the wildflowers once again I can't even start to name them well partly because I can't because I don't know most of their names but partly also because there were just so many I mean I don't know was there 35 maybe different species the colours were yellows so there was bright yellows and there was lemon yellows there was I don't know, cadmium yellow, I don't know, different yellows anyway. Then there were loads of different pinks. There was the uh, crane spell, is it called? Um, I think it's a type of geranium. Then there's, of course, Herb Robert. There was another one that looked like Herb Robert, except without the little creeper things. That was pale pink. Um, I think the crane spell and the Herb Robert are both types of geranium, technically. Of course, there were loads of different types of orchids. There were the light pink ones, which are called... Dactylariza maculata, I think. There's the white ones that I don't know what they're called. Then there was the deep cerise kind of coloured ones. Didn't see any bee orchids. Um, didn't see any fly orchids. There's all those things out there. Um, then there were tiny little yellow flowers on stalks that look like gypsophila. Gypsophila? Gypsophila? Anyway, they look like that one that's used in flower arrangements except yellow. Um, there were harebells little bluebells. I don't know. There was just everything. There was honeysuckle, roses. And it's just like someone's planted this place, but someone with exquisite taste and someone who thinks that it'll look much better if you have all the different colours in the same little batch of land. I mean, it was just sensational. So we're really, really enjoying this. Mum was stopping every few minutes to take pictures and we would just go, look, (gasps) just look the whole way up. The whole way up. Um, anyway, we came to a sign saying Holy Well. And I, I remembered that from last year. Um, it's a Holy Well in Ireland is where you have a, a well, a stream or a little river. And you have like a few trees. 
And they it's 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 an, it's a site of attraction for people who want to come and pray or leave kind of motives, if that's the word, um, items that they're using to to say prayers to pray for somebody or to wish for something and they hang them on the trees and I said to mum mum I don't really like holy wells I said what do you think she said oh I think they're beautiful they're you know a a a, a location where people's most deepest desires and wishes are made visible and I said yeah but mum all the little bits of plastic and stuff hanging off trees Anyway, we went down. I said, Mum, little plastic dolls, you know. And then I thought, maybe there aren't any plastic dolls. Maybe I'm exaggerating. But we made our way along this adorable little path. Um, pure tick country, in case you're, you know, frightened of getting Lyme's disease. Just watch out. If ever you have bare legs, walk through countryside like that. Just make sure to check for ticks. Which I didn't do, by the way. So, I don't know. Hope I'm okay. But, um, yeah, little ferns and rocks and really, really, really thin hiking trail, really, really skinny. And again, nobody there, not a single person. Um, And we made our way to the uh, Holy Well tree. And sure enough, prayer flags, Tibetan prayer flag type things on strings, different colours, little bits of fabric tied on trees. I don't know, metal pendants, keys. Well, actually, I don't know about keys, but just all kinds of stuff human stuff hanging from the trees tied to the trees and all of it faded ragged dirty and to my eye clashing desperately with the the simple natural beauty of of nature and yes indeed there was a plastic doll hanging from a a twig somewhere above my head um and it it was this little face little plastic face with a body made out of a black pom-pom so just a spherical fluffy part for the bottom part and the head was like a baby head and it had two little ears it was kind of pale pink with its eyes sort of sweetly closed and it had a unicorn horn sticking up between the ears it's not for me guys it's not for me um so that was that was I didn't say anything and I thought you know don't be churlish don't don't be negative and my mother loved it anyway and uh, we turned around to go back, not realising that was actually the start of the, the trail, you know, the off-road bit. And we made our way back to the main trail that we'd just come off and walked on a bit further. And we saw a sign saying tea and coffee. And we thought, ooh. Oh, yeah. And just before we got back onto the trail, we sat on a great big rock and ate some beautiful chocolate that my mum had bought the day before in Hazel Mountain chocolate. I mean, the chocolate is just insanely delicious. Not that my mum would know because she just like, I don't know, she's like an alien really on a movie. She just opens her mouth, hum, and it's gone, you know, a bit like, remember V? Do you remember V in the 1980s? That's my mum with chocolate. But uh, we sat there and drank water and ate chocolate because we didn't have anything else. Um, and we saw, we heard some voices in the distance and I thought, oh, okay, some tourists, that makes sense, at last. But, they didn't feel like tourists from the voices. And in the distance, I could see uh, uh, the figures of two people, a man and a woman, walking across a field far in front of us. And the field was a field that was cordoned off. It had it had a, a fence of some sort. So I didn't really think anything more of it. And um, as I say, finished our chalky and rejoined the trail, found the teas and coffees place. And we walked up to this little kind of a little side path up following the signs to where it's a tea and coffee. And... Rising before us was a sleepy dog 
a sleepy dog on the path and a beautiful Hansel and Gretel style house. I mean, it was like the Hansel and Gretel house, except instead of biscuits and sweets, there was beautiful rounded field stone and a really steep roof, perfectly built, um, really steep pitched roof, a gable end facing us on this little hill. And in front of the gable end, the windows were all timber windows with uh, with vases of yellow flowers on the windowsills. And there were two little tables in front of the house. Um, one was wooden, a little tiny round table with two little seats and a little jam jar of, of yellow wildflowers. And the other one was a cast iron little round table with two cast iron seats in cream, but really, really rusty. Now, I don't know how they managed to make two rusty seats and a rusty table look amazing, but they did. And it also had a jam jar of yellow flowers. So yellow flowers, yellow flowers, yellow flowers. And then there was a wooden bench off to the left and it had yellow flowers in it. And the little dog in front of the house, a biggish dog, she was a Australian something dog, not a cattle dog, the other one. The one the one that's really um herding dog, maybe. Anyway, really pale, pale grey body with black flecks and a white, thick white band around the neck. And then like one blue eye, one brown eye, you know the type of thing. Um, my sister-in-law has one. And I, I texted her and she did tell me what the correct name is, but I've forgotten. Anyway, so she was there, that dog was there and she was thumping her tail and being very friendly, even though I thought she looked quite elderly. Um, and then she started to play nicely with my little dog. In fact, she was playing so nicely with him. Bear in mind, she was about, I don't know, 10 times his volume. Um, she was playing so prettily and so nicely that my mother thought she was a puppy. She was sort of, you know, bending down with her little paws, you know, let's play, let's play. And Reuben was a little bit overwhelmed and she, you know, did what all doggies do, sniffed his, his parts and he looked a bit affronted and leapt back and uh, eventually played with her, but in a very kind of a tentative way because she was so jolly. She was so friendly. So we just let them get on with it. And we went in to see, was there anybody inside that we could order a tea and coffee from? And in through the little doorway we went and there was a sign. All the, There was about six or seven tables and they were all beautifully laid. I mean, my God, pure. Okay, we're, we're out of Hansel and Gretel territory and now we're into, is it Sleeping Beauty? When they arrive and the tables are all laid out for, for guests. Well, the tables were all laid out for guests. There was nobody around. Um, it was somebody's sort of front room. And each table had side plates set and laid with cutlery and everything, teacups upside down on saucers. And in the centre of each table, there was stacked, you know, those little tea stands, uh, cake stands that get smaller and smaller as you go up. I don't know what they're called. Um, And on each of these tables, there was a plate with chocolate brownies cut into small squares and handwritten notes beside each of these tiny plates saying, please help yourself to a few. Um... And then there was another piece of handwritten paper on another table and it said, for tea and coffee, please phone this number. So my mum phoned the number um, and then there was a there was a jar in the corner stuffed with, with cash and it said uh, donations. Um, and it was all very, very surreal and there was something literally magical about it. It was like, I don't know, are we entering Alice in Wonderland territory? Drink me? eat me, I don't know. But it was something really beautiful about it. There was something really beautiful about it. Um, 
Anyway, mum called the number and the man who answered the phone said he'd be long in a minute. So we went and sat outside and a few minutes passed and this beautiful woman arrived with the biggest smile, biggest smile you can you can imagine and the most pure open face. She's Dutch, her name is Yvonne and Yvonne runs the cafe during the day and the couple that we had seen earlier, a few minutes earlier, was Yvonne and um, Harry. And that's not her husband. Um, Yvonne lives elsewhere. She lives down in Doolin on the coast of Clare. Harry is the farmer and Harry is Dutch as well. And Harry looks super, super fit and healthy. He's uh, an older man. I'd say he's probably in his, I suppose, late 60s by now, maybe mid. And Harry and Yvonne were so welcoming and so friendly. And Yvonne disappeared into the house and she came back. She said, just to start you off, I brought you a piece of apple pie with cream and just sets it in front of us. And we're like, wow, that's lovely. Thanks very much. And we're both thinking, we didn't say it to each other, but both thinking, well, we won't say no, but apple pie isn't, apple tart isn't my favourite. Turned out apple tart that Yvonne served very much is our favourite. It was delicious. Anyway, off she went to get tea and coffee. And I said tea because I didn't think the coffee would be, you know, as I like it. But I asked her what type of coffee she does and she said she does filter coffee. So I said, thank you very much. So she brought out coffee and my mum just said, I'd like a glass of hot, a cup of hot water, if I may, which Yvonne didn't bat an eyelid and brought out my mum's cup of hot water. And I started to sketch, I started to paint. And that's, I have to, I had to, I mean, what else, what other picture could I use for today's illustration? than that beautiful house that it turns out Harry built. So the story is 20 years ago, Harry bought this farm, Loch Avala, A-V-A-L-L-A, Loch Avala farm up in the up in the wilds of Burren National Park. And it was so beautiful and so perfect. He decided he couldn't keep it to himself. And he decided to open it up to the public. Just open it up to the public. And we don't pay a penny. We don't pay a penny. If you, if you stop to have tea and coffee and some brownies, which quickly followed the apple tart, by the way, and were delicious. Best brownies I've ever had. Sticky and dark and nice and small. So that, you know, you could have one, feel virtuous and have another and not think you're being too greedy. All you had to do was give a donation of your choice. So it's just so lovely. And these people could not have been more friendly and more welcoming. And it turned out they had been in that little field near where we'd been walking along by the Holy Well because they have some baby goats and the baby goats as probably is the nature of baby goats decided to do some exploration and Harry and Yvonne had to go and fix the fences to make sure that the goats were kept inside the the field anyway after a little while I was painting away and some more people arrived um some young girls arrived and they were full of the joys of spring they were probably in their early 20s and I noticed that they were very, very friendly to the to the, the dog. I thought they must know the dog, but they didn't. It turned out they didn't know the dog. And they were very, very friendly to the dog, but not to Reuben. And I sort of took offence to this because, you know, everybody loves Reuben. And Reuben was being completely ignored. And, you know, me being me, I could feel my hackles rising on Reuben's behalf. Um, And I was feeling a bit miffed, you know, why is Reuben getting completely ignored and that little dog was getting her tummy tickled and by these girls, do they hate my dog and what's wrong with them? And then eventually one of them said, shoo, shoo, to Reuben and I couldn't take it anymore. 
And I said, Reuben, come over here. You're not wanted. And which is churlish of me, but that's me. And the girl said, she was German, I think. And she said, um, she said, the other girl, whatever the dog's name is, she's on heat. And suddenly the penny dropped. Aha. Oh, yeah. And by the way, it turned out that the dog is an older dog. She's 10. And Reuben, well, he has never lain with a woman. So (laughs) not that I know of. When I look after my little dog, I always know where he is. I have to. And he didn't know what to do. And this dog was clearly saying, please be my boyfriend to Reuben. Please be my boyfriend. I love you. And I really want to be my boyfriend. But Reuben didn't understand. He didn't understand. He's an innocent little boy and he didn't understand. Um, and that explained everything. So I put Reuben on the lead um, because we didn't want any unwanted pregnancies. And um, this beautiful dog was eventually put into a trailer because, you know, they didn't also want any unplanned families. Um, and with that, the German girls went on their way. They had their, I suppose, brownies and teas and coffees and they toddled along. Um, and along came a, a trio of people and they sat at the wooden table with the yellow flowers just beside us. And there was two women and a man, and they were lovely. They were really, I suppose, they're very funny. They were Irish. And uh, I asked the two ladies, were they sisters? And because they clearly sounded very close. And they said, no, but we may as well be. We've known each other since childhood. And the man sang a song and it was all very lovely. It was just lovely. It was lovely. If I'd known the words of the song, I would have joined in and sort of spoiled the day. But it was lovely to listen to him singing away in that perfect idyllic spot. And then I told the girls, they asked about the dogs. And why she was, the other one had been taken away. And I said, well, it turns out she's on heat. And Reuben here was being asked, you know, strongly to um, to, 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 to be her lady, her, her gentleman, her gentleman love. And she was have, he was having none of it. He didn't know. And the girl bent down and said, well, she said to Reuben, she said, first of all, she asked his name. And I said, Reuben. And she said, well, Reuben, you're probably wise. It's a big decision. <laughs> it's a big decision. You want to think carefully about these things. Because you could get hurt. She could leave you. And you could get hurt. It was so funny. And Ruben's just so tiny. He was just standing there, like at last, getting a couple of pats. But kind of wondering, huh? What what happened? Where, where'd that nice dog go? Where'd, that, where'd my friend go? <laughs> but she was gone. She was gone. Anyway, we sat there for a while. And we got to chatting with Yvonne. And Yvonne is so lovely. Um, and we sort of, you know, told each other about our lives and ourselves. And then Harry came and he joined in very briefly because he was talking to the other trio. But he he was enchanted to see the paintings that my mum and I did. So I painted the gable house with all this yellow wildflowers and my mum painted this old ruined cottage. And my mum loves anything tragic. It's just the way she is. She loves tragic stuff. And I can't abide tragic stuff. I can't I can't hear anything sad. And uh we, when we arrived at the tea and coffee place, one of the little places opposite the beautiful house that Harry built and restored from a ruin, it was just a little ruin. And uh, mum goes, oh, Roisin. See, mum's Canadian, okay, so she doesn't have an Irish heritage at all. And she goes, oh, Roisin, you know, that was probably, when you think about it, that was probably a family with, you know, probably 10 children living in that little place. Can you imagine just how awful? And I said, or how cosy mum and how they had their their family close to them at all times. She said, oh. 
yes, but just think how how glad they would have been to 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 leave this place and ruins and behind them. And I said, or maybe they had loads of good memories and they were very sorry to to move elsewhere. <laughs> See their family scattered. <laughs> so mum wasn't having any of it. But we had the most wonderful tea and coffee experience. Go there. Go there, guys. Don't bypass it. Don't bypass it. Go there. Um and enjoy the brownies. Enjoy the apple pie with cream. Um and enjoy the the lovely coffee it was delicious. Yvonne brought me a, f- a refill. She just brought me a refill. Um, it was just so special. Anyway, turned around, went back again, and we uh, made our way back along the path. So we had our sketch. Oh, I forgot to mention um, what we sketched the day before. So uh, when we were in the Burren, just to quickly bring you up to speed. So I had found a hazel tree with some actual hazelnuts on it when we were in one of those beautiful little fields. This is on the Wednesday, the day before. Um, and I'd never seen a hazel tree covered in hazelnuts before. They'd always been got at by squirrels before I got to them. So I painted the hazel tree and I made a very poor show of... Um, I overdid the, the drawing. And it'll be on my blog, by the way. All of this will be on my blog. And uh, I made a very poor show of trying to do a few wildflowers as well. And my mum did a beautiful painting which of which as well will be on the blog so you'll be able to see for yourselves the difference between our two styles um my mum is a real painter and uh she always says she doesn't know when something's finished um and she makes a big distinction between sketching and painting and when she does a sketch she writes down the date the location and whatever else she wants to write in big black marker like a sharpie um on the bottom of the page where she wouldn't do that with a painting I, for my part, don't see any distinction at all between sketching and painting. Um, I don't expect much from myself. I just scribble down whatever I see and I don't make any distinction whatsoever between painting and sketching. I mean, the way I see it is I'm using paint to do a sketch. So that's painting. Um, But mum doesn't see it that way. She says they're very different. And from what I can tell in my mum's world or my mum's experience, sketching is light and fun and done spontaneously. Um, and painting is something that you think about and I don't know, I don't know what else the differences are but I certainly make a distinction between painting a massive canvas from my head and making a sketch and the other difference is uh, my mum never knows when a painting is finished or a sketch whereas I just keep painting everything till it's all painted, till it's all sketched, till everything is done or if I run out of time or if it starts raining and that's how I'm finished, it's very very simple. So that was the day before, that was Wednesday. So I didn't want to do any more hazel trees. And by the way, in Lochavala National Park, in a farm, every single hazel tree was bursting with hazelnuts. So I picked a load of them. It's probably illegal to pick. I think you're not allowed to pick anything in the Burn National Park. So I actually didn't pick any hazelnuts at all. And they're not in a small bowl on my counter at all. Nope. Um, so I didn't paint any hazel trees Um they're not, I didn't paint any hazel trees because, you know, I'd done that. So on the way back from our tea and coffee, we did try to go once again past the holy, um, the holy well. And uh, we climbed a little bit into the, into the hills, but the pavement, this is back to the Thursday now, the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th. Um, we uh, climbed up into the limestone pavement hills and they're spectacular. It's a real moonscape up there, except with wildflowers everywhere. Um, but sometimes you couldn't tell whether a slab was firm or wobbly. And in fact, 
my and my mum has had so many falls over the last few years. She's been incredible for the last um year maybe. But up until very recently, she had all kinds of things to keep her steady, like ankle braces and all kinds of things. But for some weird reason, I don't know what she's done, supped with the devil, I don't know. But she's she's suddenly lost about 15, 20 years in terms of um, aged body. And she's able to do everything. But we didn't want to take any risks up there on the mountain with nobody around. So we didn't go up very far onto the trail. We turned around and came back again. And uh, walking back along the path, we decided to hop over the wall and into the into the flat limestone kind of landscape we could both just about manage that and we sat down I did a sketch of my mum again on the blog and I also did a sketch of Mullock Moor which is this beautiful classical barren mountain kind of slumped slumped the limestone layers are really slumpy they're very slumpy so um so that's what we did had a great time and uh my mum tutted and moaned and made cross noises the entire time and kept saying she haven't oh I haven't got it oh it's not working at all mum is like me she's very very vocal except 10 times more vocal as and she thinks I'm the one who talks all the time I mean mum if you're listening to this do you know where I got that because I didn't get it from dad (laughs) but anyway we had a great time and um oh no it was brilliant it was really brilliant we both had aching rear ends very badly aching and uh I had to, I lost the my my beautiful rosemary and co paintbrush you know the way travel brushes snap in half along the length and you know the way when you drop something and in your efforts to catch it before it falls all you do is fumble and hit it miles you know that kind of way so I managed to do that with my paintbrush when it broke in half not broken but you know stopped in half and it fell down one of those famous uh, uh, grikes the limestone landscape the karstic landscape is made out of I think is it clints and grikes? I can never remember the the clinty word. I think it's clints and grikes. But it means that there's really, really, really deep crevices between the limestone um, slabs. And it's, they're lovely crevices because they're full of beautiful ferns and things that like to grow with no wind and uh, no frost and all that kind of stuff. But they're not so fun for putting your uh, arm with your sleeve rolled up to your shoulder, putting your arm down, thinking about, well, probably hands grabbing your hand or claws. Yeah, claws. Devilly claws, devilly, yeah, devilly gnarled claws grabbing your hand um, at, at worst. And at best, I would say, ugh, spiders. Oh, God, actually, I'm not sure what's worse. And then Marcel, my husband, told me afterwards, oh, yes, Ro, there's a lot of false widow spiders up there. No, they're not. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe there are. But I got my paintbrush back. Lost a pen lid, which I also dropped. Could not find that. But it was only a disposable pen, so I littered. I'm afraid... I, well, I didn't, actually, because it's probably illegal to litter. Didn't, definitely didn't litter um, up in the burn. But that's what we did. And that was the end of our day up in Loch Avala National Park. And it was heaven. Friday, 15th of July. Nothing at all to report in terms of sketching. We made a trip into Galway City, my mum and I, and the two younger kids, Paddy and Liv, picked up a few last minute things for my husband Marcel's birthday, which was on Sunday. Um, had a lovely coffee and a bit of a sandwich in um, Cafe Nero up in Air Square. And it, it was lovely. The sun came out on Friday afternoon. We lay around, lounged around in the back garden on chairs and just basically chilling out and we had a we had a really really spectacularly lovely time but no sketching 
So skip to the next bit. Saturday, 16th of July. Left the house at 8am for a long drive down to County Kerry. Now, it was a pleasant drive down to County Kerry, a motorway all the way to Limerick. So that would be for the first hour. And then the second hour, going through a few little villages, Adair, uh, Newcastle West, Abbeyfield, and on into a place called Knocknagashel. And what were, you, what were we going to do at Knocknagashel? We were going shooting. So the idea was that because Marcel was having a birthday on Sunday, we would go shooting to celebrate. Yes, shooting. Shooting at a range to have a fun day out for the family. And off we went, um, got to the Irish Shooting Centre, I think it's called, um, in Knocknagashel. And we were met by um, some Kerry men, obviously, we're in County Kerry. Um, and TJ looked after us. TJ was one of the instructors and he was so, so nice. He was so friendly. And my mum was only dying to go shooting, Cinny. Dying, dying to go shooting, as were the rest of us as well. Um, and you could choose, you could choose the package you wanted. So we chose the, I think, silver package. Silver package meant you got two uh, events and you could choose from, I think, four events, clay pigeon shooting, archery, uh, rifle and pistol shooting. And we really want to do the pistol shooting and the rifle shooting. Um, my youngest Liv wants to use a, a Glock, but uh, they don't offer those. That's a joke. She doesn't really. Um, so down we went and it's a shooting range. So you put what turned out to be uh, 0.22s. Does that sound like a bullet size? Into your guns and TJ showed us how to stand and how to hold the gun and how to aim at the target and how to take your shot. And it was very funny because, okay, <laughs> when we arrived, there was another party just leaving the pistol shooting range part. And everything, there was all guys, right? It was all guys. They're all huge guys, as in fat. And um, they all had their shirts hanging over their very long shorts, you know, the type of shorts. And they all had uh, trainers with no socks or no visible socks. I wonder if they have those little tiny socks that just go up to your ankle bone that I wear. I wonder. <laughs> they'd have to buy them. I don't know. The, well, I don't know. Do they have them in the men's section? I don't know. I'm sure they do. Anyway, um, they all had beards and uh, big guts. And apart from the guts, um, well, the less said about that, the better. I was going to refer to um, our own party. But as I say, won't do that because there aren't any. There you go. There just aren't any heavy guts. And um, when we when we went in, there was these like five or six huge guys with beards and rednecks. Yes, they did have rednecks. Yes, yes. It's been sunny. It's the summer. What can we say? And uh, in walks my old mum in her 80s. <laughs> oh, it's funny. <laughs> so these guys go shooting and this little tiny old lady walks in. And wouldn't you know, it turns out my mum's a crack, a crack shot with a pistol. <laughs> And TJ was looking after. He's been so solicitous of her care. He's been so nice. Would you like to have a rest? You sure? Take your time. Are you all right? Would you like to sit down? And I was trying to, you know, make smart ass comments, but TJ wasn't having any of it because he was too busy looking after his client and making sure that, you know, she was safe. And there's all these handwritten signs saying guns to be pointed downrange only. Never leave a gun unattended. 
like the safety was really serious. And when TJ went down to get the uh, the targets that we'd all shot up, when he went down to get them for us and give them to us, um, he doesn't leave anything on the table. He picks up the guns. He takes them with him. He's not leaving anything in in case, you know, well, it's safety, safety first. So I was really, really impressed the way he looked after my mum. It was amazing. And uh, I think my mum's turns out, Cinny, you're a hustler. It turns out mum's a hustler because she would go, I can't do this. Ah, oh, it's too heavy. Ah. And then you take down the target and bam, 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 bam. There's all these gun holes right in the middle. <laughs> so yeah, mum. And uh, my brother said that uh, his friend Adrian had called by to say hello. And my mum's garden's spectacular. And uh, it really is amazing. Like, it's just a joy to see. And he was admiring the the garden. And then he heard about um my mum and her success at the shooting range. And he said, ah, yes, Mrs. Guns and Roses. <laughs> so my mum was thrilled with that. Thrilled with that. Anyway, after after we all we did the pistol shoot, we all took turns. And um myself and one other person in the party didn't hit the bullseye. I was very ashamed. I'm very competitive and I hate being worse than everyone else. But anyway, there you go. I was. And uh, then after that, we did rifle shooting. Now, rifle shooting was um, much easier. And uh, again, targets, just paper targets. And um, it's funny because there was a there was a URL at the bottom of the target page that we were given. And I think it was something WN or something. I don't know, something, W something anyway. But uh, yeah, rifles were much easier and... Uh, once you manage to get the sights pointed at the target and get them in the crosshairs, I didn't I didn't miss them after that. I, I was getting a bit grumpy because I'm very easily grumpied and uh, I was getting a bit grumpy because um, because because I'll tell you the truth, because one of the instructors was spending so much time with my mum, making sure she was comfortable and relaxed. And I was just a bit impatient to get going. So I was doing it all wrong because I couldn't wait till somebody showed me how to do it. And uh, eventually my youngest, Liv, who'd gone before me, she very calmly and kindly told me, I'm only pausing because I'm thinking of the two men in my family who didn't really tell me. But she she, she was like, Mom, put your, put your elbow, rest your elbow on the table, hold the front part of the gun with this hand, hold the cocking bit with this hand, and do you want to look through here and point this here? She was great. She was great. Anyway, once I got it sorted, I was fine. And it was such a satisfying feeling when I had one bullet left, I think they give you, I think they give you about maybe 60 rounds, maybe 30 rounds, 35. No, I think, I don't know, a bit more than that. You don't, you don't feel in any way like you haven't got enough. Although, to be honest, we could have stayed there all day shooting away. It was such fun. But, um, and my last bullet on my last shot, I decided which target I wanted to go for. And it was such a good feeling to see it go right through the middle. Now, we were only a few metres away from the target. It's not like I was shooting down the end of the range, but, um, but it was very gratifying, especially because I hadn't got the bullseye with the pistol. So, you know, kind of make up for it. And again, my mum was like, I can't see, I can't see. Mum's um, got a slight problem with her eyes, which is going to be fixed soon. But uh, she was like, oh, I can't see, I can't see. Uh. And then when they took the target off, again, hustling, Mrs. Guns and Roses, absolutely in shreds in the middle, right in the bullseye. <laughs> so that was grand. And then... Um, afterwards because I don't poison rodents anymore I have and I have rats like outside my studio Ugh, hate them but uh and they've managed to make their way into my husband's Marcel's workshed by nibbling away at the black rubber seal around the door and helping themselves because I kept the bird seed in there so it's kind of my fault but um anyway 
um, my son Paddy went in there the other day and there was two of them up on the shelf where the tools are kept. He said they were thumping along. Ugh. So um, I asked one of the instructors about shooting rats and is that something I could do? And he said, uh, yeah, no problem. But he said, why don't you just get a huge, huge trap? And I said, yeah, okay, cool, because I can't poison anything anymore in my sight because of the the owl population and the other birds and wildlife that get secondarily poisoned. I'm sorry, I don't care about the rats getting poisoned, sorry. But uh, he said, yes, um, that was John, John's that particular instructor. And John said, since he saw one owl dead from poisoning, he said he would never have poison on his land either ever again. So he sold me this enormous trap that is absolutely terrifying. It's terrifying. Like any rat that stands in it is not going to know a thing about it. And neither would your hand, by the way, if you slipped when you were putting it together. But you you just put the safety catch on before you uh before you set it and then you can take the safety catch off once it's once it's set, which I will do with a very long bamboo pole. But um anyway and if you if you're careful by placing the trap, you're not going to get anything but a rat. But that's the same with poisoning, except that the creatures end up eating the rat and uh, you know die as a result. And by the way, in case you haven't heard my last episode about owls and poisoning, don't be under the misapprehension that owls don't die of poisoning. They do. They die second for secondary reasons. Like if they get if they when they've been poisoned secondarily, they might not die outright immediately. But they'll die of starvation because they can't hunt because the poison stops the oxygen getting to their blood that they need. And then they get woozy, um, like they're drunk and they might fly into a tree. They can't hunt. They starve to death. They fly into a car. So there you go. Um, just just be aware that if you do put poison down because you can't bear the rodent population, go ahead by all means. But do it in the full knowledge that you're also killing owls and you're killing other birds of prey and things that you don't want probably to kill as well just just know that okay anyway so there you go I'm looking at the huge trap now and even though it's not set I touched it with my foot walking past it there about an hour ago and I nearly leapt out of my skin because it really is a serious affair but you know if you're going to kill them you need to do it fast and that's just the only um kind way to do it you know because everything has to die so I suppose if I died in a massive trap, okay, this isn't going well, is it? No, but seriously, if I didn't know about it and it was nighttime and I saw a nice tasty bit of, I don't know, steak or something on the bait and then bam, yeah, it's worse ways to go, you know? Anyway, so we had a fantastic time at the shooting range. We had a wonderful time. And um, one of the instructors said to me, if you don't mind me asking, how old is your mother? And I said, she's 82. And he said, that's the oldest we've ever had down here in the shooting range. He said, I'd like to take a photograph with her. Um, and her, her target for the website and uh, my mum was delighted <laughs> and then the other instructor when I was paying for the rat trap he says he says your mother's amazing she's some shot and I said yeah I know she did really well and he said uh, I'd say she's tough as nails <laughs> my mother was thrilled <laughs> my mum's got a heart of gold but yeah she's pretty tough anyway that was the end of our uh of our of our shooting day and it was absolutely brilliant and I'd just like to add oh um by the way I did sketch in the car I'm supposed to talk about sketching in this podcast so sorry about that so I was in the back of the car on the way down to Kerry and my mum was the passenger in the front seat and Marcel my husband was driving um and I thought it'd be nice to do a drawing of Marcel driving the car because I love drawing in cars I really do and I'm not usually in the back seat I was between the two kids at the back um so as always, I start at point A, 
and I keep going. And don't worry if the person who you're drawing, by the way, don't tell them. Don't tell them. You don't want to distract the driver. Don't tell them. Um, don't worry if they take a different position because they will come back, like scratch their head or something um, or whatever. Move their hands around the steering wheel or move them onto the gear stick or whatever they're doing because they will go back to the original position. So be patient and wait till you see that they're comfortable and then go for it. So um, I used my Fude pen um, in brown ink, my Diatramentis document brown. And my brand of Fude pen on this particular day is Jin Hao. It's a really nice little one. Not sure if I prefer the line of that or the Sailor or the other Jin Hao's I have. But anyway, 55 degree Fude nib. Um, and I use the reverse of it for any fine lines. Like when you're doing hair, for example, you will want to flip the pen, the nib around and uh, use the fine side of the, of the nib to get the fine lines. Um, I enjoyed drawing the eyes in the rear view mirror. That was kind of fun. Of course, I got the head size wrong and I had to use the white gel pen to get rid of the wrong line. Really enjoyed drawing it all. I loved drawing the pattern on the shirt. So um, the minute I saw that black shirt covered in golden dragons, I knew it was from Marcel. And uh, I really enjoyed drawing the uh, I really enjoyed drawing the dragons with the fine side of the foodie pen as well. So it's really useful for that. Uh, in terms of the what I see at the window, mm, that very straightforward. I just did the curve of the motorway. Now, I did add a little bit of colour. The only colour I added was skin, okay, because I didn't want to change the look of the drawing from just a line drawing to something colourful. And also, I used my red ink in another in another foodie pen. Again, Diatramentis document red, document ink red. I used that for all the little red bits in the car, like the uh, speedometer needle, the fuel needle, the uh, hazard light triangle thing, um, the lights, you know, the time, whatever was in red, I added that. And I knew I'd lose the impact of that if I painted anything. And besides, what am I going to do? Just paint paints grey everywhere because everything is black. So I made the decision, the style decision, just to leave it unpainted. I'm really glad I did. I mean, no, it's no big deal either way. It's just a little sketch of someone driving the car. But um, yeah, uh, I'm really glad I didn't paint it. You can see for yourself. It'll be on my blog. Um... Yeah, really enjoyed that. There's a couple of bits where my line is very wobbly because of the bouncing of the car. But like, so what? You know, it doesn't really matter. Um, and then, so when we got back, we had a lovely coffee in Abbey Field on the way back. Stopped in the way down in Newcastle West and had a brekkie. And uh, then we went out for a meal on Saturday night, um, guest of my mum. And we sat by the estuary at the river that runs along the back of my garden. So Morns and the Weir is exactly opposite my house on the other side of the, the banks of the river. Um, we're very lucky where we live. It's just magical. And we went there and had a most gorgeous meal outdoors in the, in the beautiful warm summer evening. And then afterwards we were finished quite early, about eight or so. And we took a walk to the end of the, um, we took a walk to the end of the, of the green path that runs past Morns. Morns is the last, second last building along that road, and it just opens out onto countryside and hedgerows and wildflowers. And then if you walk along the green path for another maybe ten minutes, maybe you come to the shore, and um, then you can just sit there and look at the perfectly still water, at high tide, and the birds and the herons and the egrets. My mum says egrets. Is it egrets or egrets? Anyway, white birds that look like herons but smaller, and didn't used to live in Ireland before climate change, sorry. Um, and then uh, Tyrone House, the ruins of Tyrone House with the back 
to the river. We just sat there and were peaceful, except for Reuben barking at rocks and seaweed as usual. And it was heaven. It was absolutely divine. So that was the end of our fabulous day, toting, toting guns or shooting guns. See, I don't even know the lingo, but uh, ah, it was great. Highly recommended. Well, that brings us to an end of this very long special episode of Sketch Therapist. I hope you've enjoyed coming with my mom and me through the hills and hiking trails of the Burren. We had a really, really special week. You know, well, you know what I'm going to say. Life is short and I'm very, very lucky to be able to have spent this time with my mum. Really, really lovely. So I scanned all her sketches before she left um, yesterday afternoon and I'm going to put everything in my blog. So um, it's a roasting hot day here in Galway, um, as I'm sure it is wherever you, you guys are, except for you down under. And uh, I'm going to head out to the beach for a swim and some life drawing on the beach so yeah a bit of sketch therapy again I am on holiday after all um so catch up on my blog maybe probably later on this evening or tomorrow Irish time and as always my blog is under the heading blog on the drop down menu of my website which is roisincure.com r-o-i-s-i-n-c-u-r-e.com um and it'll be there tomorrow, I should think. Um, just want to add, in case you aren't aware, if you want to jump into this wonderful world of sketching, which I inhabit so gratefully, you can always take my beginner's class, which is on this year. My next one is 5th to the 9th of September. It's on in the middle of the day, Irish time. Um, it's from 1 to 2.30 uh, every day of that week and it's 25 euros and by the end of it you will be confident in going out sketching for yourself so again you can book that through my website um same place so with that i shall love you and leave you and i look forward to catching up with you next time enjoy your holidays if you are on holidays i am enjoying mine um and meanwhile happy sketching <laughs>